Our first reading for today is from the 10th chapter of 1 Samuel. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. Now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there farther and come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. After that you shall come to Gibeath Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hands find to do, for God is with you. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming down to you to offer bird offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, And who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, Where did you go? And he said, To seek the donkeys. And when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell him anything. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mitzpah. And he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians And from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God. Who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near. And the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. 
and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship. And he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the 22nd chapter of Acts. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. When the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the Ten Commandments with the first. What is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This commandment, this first one, might be the greatest piece in all of our small catechism. Because truly, if if you fear, love, and trust in God above all things, above everything else, 
then all the other commandments would fall in line just naturally because we would just want to do God's will. And, and having the right God in our lives, we would not adore or love or fear or trust anything else. Everything in life would just fall in line perfectly, to be honest. And that's why Luther, when he wrote about this, um, asking about saying you shall know the gods he he put those three words connected to the meaning that we should fear meaning have holy reverence love and trust in god above all things everything else and when luther wrote about this commandment in the large catechism the most wonderful thing he said which i i i still i find myself pondering all the time literally almost daily Luther said that we can turn, we as sinful human beings, can turn anything into a false god. Anything. And all we have to do, and I tell people it's like taking your temperature or taking your your pulse. I say, take your spiritual pulse. What am I fearing in my life right now? And, And am I fearing that more than God? Because there can be a lot of things in our lives we fear. Illness, death, situations in life. What do I love in my life? And do I love those things more than I love God? It's fine to love other people, to love a spouse, to love our children. But sometimes we even have to ask, do I love them more than I love my God? Because if so, then you've turned that person into an idol. I mean, we would never think of that. I had a professor at the seminary. This was back in the 90s. And he was a well-respected man in the whole synod. And he made this comment. I remember thinking, what are you talking about? He said what he noticed back then is that parents were turning their children into their little gods. Because there was a tendency, he said, they give them anything they want. They bend the knee to the child. Some things don't change. Same thing could be, hold true today, I suppose. And he said, those parents are, tur- yeah, they're loving their children. They treat them well. But sometimes that child is ruling the roost, turning them into a little idol, giving them anything they want, bending the knee. Yes, yes, yes. Anything you want, my dear. Fear, love, trust. What do we trust in life? When I speak with our confirmands about this, we really go into this in depth for a whole class. We talk about what are the things we trust in our lives. And we, we pick up some very simple things that they can understand, like money, physical money, money. Um, how, how do you trust money? Well, if I have money, I, f- I feel comfortable. I feel confident. I feel like I'm okay. And if I don't have enough money, Life isn't as good, right? You trust the money maybe for security. And that's just money. That's a superficial thing. What are the things that we trust in our lives? Trust to keep us safe. Trust to make us happy. My goodness, just look at this. Cell phones and the wonderful technologies we have nowadays. But my goodness, how much time do we spend engaged in those things? Rather than with our God. Cell phone and iPhone can become your idol. Just take it away or turn it off for a week. You're lost. Oh my goodness. What do I do? 
I remember that as a child when the electricity would go out. Back then, you know, we didn't even have cable. You had ABC, NBC, or CBS. It wasn't even Fox yet. <laughs> and you had to use aluminum foil on the antenna to get the TV to work, right? I remember as a child thinking about this commandment when we lost electricity in the summer. If we'd go out for a storm, out half a day, because I was lost. I didn't have the TV. What do I watch? What do I do? And as a child, I thought of this commandment. And as a child, I realized that TV had a place in my heart, a hold over my heart, that it shouldn't, even as a child. Anything can be turned into an idol. Luther's right. Anything. And I... I've seen it in people. It's, uh, it varies from person to person. I think we all have our little pet idols in our lives. What might be mine is not yours. Yours is not his or hers. You know, we're, we're just different. And the devil very often, he tailors his temptations to us. Our sinful nature tailors it. It's, it's specific. In our Old Testament reading today, Believe it or not, and we were talking about Samuel basically anointing Saul to be the first king of Israel. And believe it or not, this event is all about idolatry. And it's actually very sad. In our adult Bible study on Sunday, right now we're working through Exodus. Wonderful story. And we're, this past Sunday we crossed the Red Sea. So they're, and beginning their 40 years of wandering. And then, of course, they enter into the, the promised land. But not that long after being in the promised land, the people of Israel looked around at the other nations. And they said, all of these other nations have kings. We want to look like them. We want to be powerful like them. We want to have a king too. And God basically told them, "Uh, that's a mistake, my children. Um, And they said, well, we want to look like them. And God said, all right. You want a king? I'll give you a king. And he did. And this is what God spoke through the prophet Samuel about this. And it's a form of idolatry. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mitzpah. And he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, set a king over us. They no longer wanted, even though God delivered them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, even though God wiped out the Egyptian army in the Red Sea, even though he preserved them with manna from heaven, water from a rock, quail, For 40 years, every day. And even though this God brought them into the promised land and was the one who defeated all the kingdoms before them, he wasn't enough for them. That 
should have been enough, right? We want a king. We want to look like the other kingdoms. So they got what they asked. And it almost always went badly. That was basically God preaching some law to them. You want, a, you want a king? You want an idol? Fine. Here's what an earthly king does. You get what you ask for, Israel. We shall have no other gods. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Thanks be to God. He sent us the greatest king we could ever have in this world. Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the King of kings and lords of lords, who does so much more for us than bring us out of Egypt, who did so much more for us than save us from the oppression of the Egyptians. Because what our Lord and King Jesus Christ has done for us has saved us from our own sins. He saved us from ourselves. And what our great Lord and King Jesus Christ has done is not just brought us into a country like Israel. No, he's brought us into a much greater promised land of his church, which we have right now and enjoy together. And promises the greatest promised land of heaven, which is already yours. We do not need to look for a human to save us in this world. And, and I, I am cautious of this because I see some Christians longing for that very thing. Sometimes in our own country. They think the right person in office is going to save the world. Baloney. All men are the same. All women are the same. Sinful natures, they will always fail, right? We have one king. One eternal Lord and God who has done so much for us. And we never need to turn our backs on him. Instead, we can always cling in faith to him. He's always going to care for us, provide for us, and love us. He always has, hasn't he? And he always will. So I pray for all of us that that's where our hearts may be found. Where we would fear, love, and trust in God, our Lord Jesus Christ, above all things. And when that is in place, am I wrong? Everything's right. When we fear, love, and trust in God above everything else, so much in our lives that's wrong or unnecessary, it falls by the wayside, and so much is made right. I pray honestly that we can meditate on this every day and consider this. It is, it is worthy of your time and your heart's attention, I believe. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.